Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, and keynote speaker. Really looking forward to today's chat on Well Played, in which is part of the On Podcast Media Network. Today, today we have with us Charles Coomber, and we are going to be chatting a little bit about getting started with gamification, kind of this level one. We're going to hear his story, uh, and I'm, I'm sure he'll have some questions, I'll have some questions, and you guys hopefully will be along for the ride to listen to some of these questions, and hopefully we'll answer some of yours along the way. This is season four, episode 32, so if you want to catch the video version and want to drop some comments, you can do that on my YouTube channel. So without further ado, let's get started, and Charles, if you could give us a brief introduction, because this is your first time on Well Played. Awesome, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, so I'm a fifth-year middle school teacher. I teach mostly seventh and eighth grade. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big gamer growing up, tons of video games and board games and stuff. And, and maybe a couple, I want to say a year ago, I first saw, you know, the Explore Like a Pirate style. I was, like, exposed to that, maybe on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, what a great, like, what a cool idea um, to borrow all these uh, strategies from, like, games that we've been playing since we grew up. And I've been playing with it this year, and it's been really good. So... And you said you do your seventh, you're mainly seventh and eighth grade. Uh, mm-hmm. What what subject matter? Uh, so I specialize in history, but at my school, for at least the last couple of years, we've been doing like a whole class or um, what's it called? Self enclosed classroom. So I teach all the subjects to like my seventh graders last year, and then this year they're eighth graders, where I looped with them. Dang, that's yeah. that's impressive. That's a whole like I got a whole series of questions for that but that's another time, yeah it's, another it's a lot of work that, <laughs> that's crazy uh well i'm glad that uh you were able to sort of discover the work bump into it and even more sort of honored that you chose to take a dive into it uh mm-hmm. what i mean let's start there what was one of your first first plays first moves like what did you do okay okay so you know you see on like twitter a lot there's like this hashtag x P-L-A-P, more like it. a pirate. Yep. And I, I see that a lot. I was like, hi, man. And it's like a lot of these teachers that I like liked what they were doing. And I was like, well, I got to figure out what this acronym is. And I'd already read, I feel like you guys are related to or are on a series with um, Teach Like a Pirate, right? And yep. so I'd, I'd read that a while ago. And uh, I was like, no, this Explore Like a Pirate. It's like a whole new level of it or a whole different direction. And I got a buddy teacher of mine. And we're like, let's read this. Let's read this over summer. So we like book clubbed it. Nice. Like really slow, one chapter a week throughout the right. summer, which is, you know, again, it's like we don't need to work. So that's right. It was very productive. Uh, and we like planned it out over summer and then we had, we like read through the whole book and then we went back. You have this section about like, you know, how to get started and we're like, let's just do it. Let's just follow the formula. And like, and it was, it was a really great experience. And honestly, I felt like since she's my co-teacher right now, it was also like uh, a really good framework for like getting to know each other and like, like going through this process almost like kind of like designing a board game together or like a video game together. And, nice. uh, you know, started exactly, you know, started with the theme. We're like, well, what should our theme be? And then from there, I'd say, this, you know, built the game with what under those constraints. So you you actually walked through kind of the workshop component that's at the back of each chapter, like the, that that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. 
No, I mean, like that, that's always the hope, right? That people walk through that. I mean, those questions are driving questions to get you to answer and build out your game. And that's fantastic that you guys did that. Oh, they were, they were really helpful. Like I've done a lot of uh, DMing for like tabletop RPGs and there's, I've had like, you know, like, have you ever, do you know what I'm talking about where you like create your own world, world building in sure. like a tabletop yeah. RPG? I felt like I was like, this is great. This is like a great structure for new players, new game makers. Yeah. This. Nice. Well, that's that's a good endorsement. Thank you. Uh, so you and your co-teacher do this together, which I think is also awesome because it, it, it is kind of a good team building exercise because you are creating an experience for all your students, like right, a shared experience between the two to make sure your games are running sort of similar. Yes. Uh, so we're we in fact this year. So we're all online. I should start with that, uh, which was a whole new challenge with starting game of, you know, like this style of gamification plus online teaching from, you know, which we've been doing since March, but March is more improvised. This one we like we're planning over summer. And uh, <laughs> so right now we are like the two of us with like 70 kids. And it's great. It's a great player base. I feel like between that, there's like a lot of even like initially there was like a, a good amount of kids who like dove into the game. So it had some momentum. No, that's 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 awesome. And like you said, kudos to you guys for I mean, talk about layered challenges. You're you're trying a new pedagogy <laughs> in the midst of a pandemic while you're doing online teaching, while you're teaching all the subjects for the this most This is why we had to start over summer, okay? <laughs> like, like, this is like several weeks of free labor prep time. Yeah, dang. All right, so, okay, so that was kind of your, your beginnings with it. Um, so let's hear about your theme. What did you guys, what did you guys cook up for your theme? Okay, so again, coming from... It was actually, I'm kind of proud of it because it felt like a very natural endpoint with like what we started with. So one, I do specialize in, in history and, I, and I'm and i like probably the driving force between the two of us. It's like 60-40 is what I'd say. And uh, so we're teaching U.S. history this year, eighth grade. And um, we're also all online, right? Like view screens. And I was like, uh, let's go with like a sci-fi theme. Let's do it. So what we ended up doing is we call it Roanoke, the Lost Colony. Which Love is also it. great, because then when we teach, like, the actual Roanoke, you know, at the start of this year, kids like, oh, that's where it comes from. But the, the storyline is, this is kind of stolen from, I want to say, The Expanse, if you know that. A little, like, borrowed from a lot of sci-fi. And it's like, there's, like, a wormhole that, that uh, Earth discovered, and so it's a far feature. And this base right outside, like, right through the wormhole, this starship base called Roanoke, uh... It's like the main base, and like we'll say a hundred years pass, and like some planets get colonized, there's other asteroids, there's other like or civilizations, other organizations out there, and then right at the beginning of our game, like hey, welcome guys, welcome to like the first day of you know fleet training, like but like the the gateways vanished or it's gotten destroyed, it's been sabotaged, and we don't know what's going on. So now we're like you know initially like floundering, like what do we do without this like trade with Earth? And we use that framework, which, you know, any you could use any framework. Uh, it's just like the, the scenery. But it's been really good because it's a flexible flame framework. Again, it's the, the role play of like, you know, literally how you'd be talking on view screens to another spaceship works really well for our Zoom instruction. Uh, I love and that then you guys we, we leaned... use lots of U.S. history, you know, like Roanoke and like other things. I love that you guys leaned into the sort of moment we're having right now in history with you know, like you said, the Zoom meetings, and now that sort of technical HUD display, you know, it, it just fits, it fits your theme so well. 
Uh, I, I dig that. That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. How did your seventh and eighth graders sort of, or I, sh- I should say now your eighth graders, because you lived graders, yeah. How, how did they, I don't know, approach this? How did they they take it when you were like, we're going to we're gonna do Roanoke here? <laughs> They are, they're, they're old, right? So sometimes I feel like when you teach younger kids, you're like, well, yeah, you want them to buy and they're little kids. You could say anything. So middle school, like they're so cool. Well, one, I am looping with them, which is very lucky. Both my co-teacher and I. So we have a lot of rapport already with like 80%, maybe nine, you know, there's only a few new kids of the class. And then two, even last year before we had this, I'm always doing like ridiculous fun things and the kids just run with it. Uh, so yeah, I think the kids really took to it. The kids, uh, we've had, a really like a large amount of participation and actually i kind of want to say that it's i believe that there's much more engagement and like community this year because of this this game framework like because like if anything you're like wow that's like hard you're doing distance learning and this new game style at the same time but actually it it like solves a lot of the problems or like helps pave over some things from distance learning yeah like that's that's how i feel i mean sort of a self-serving comment here but that is how i feel in general about gamification both Mm -hmm. in distance learning as well as in person like it actually takes care of some of the 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 little bumps we have in education it kind of smooths those out and it produces much more collaborative spirit in the classroom i i absolutely love it and when a lot of teachers say hey i'm thinking about starting but we're in the middle of this pandemic you know maybe i'll do that next yeah. year and i'm like no like now is actually a really good time to start uh, at, at very least infusing some gamification mechanics yeah i i like i definitely agree we've uh i've been doing mine actually through an app i like made a whole app for this which is like way too much work but um and like the app, you know, has like a chat feature and stuff. So kids are literally like, we have this like, you know, in-class group text that like, sometimes there's like random role plays on. I've seen like kids like improvise like whole scenes on it. And then, you know, just constantly, again, like really keeping this like online community alive. So sure. I don't know. I, I do recommend teachers <laughs> if it's <laughs> online and they're like, I think it, it helped a lot. So yeah. What did you use for your app? Was that Glide? Have you heard of Glide? Yeah. yeah. There's uh, several teachers like making amazing gamification frameworks in it, I guess. And so I've been following their tutorials. I have no idea how to code. I can't express this enough. Other teachers who are like, oh, well, that guy, he can, co-, you know, he made an app. How am I supposed to do that? I was like, I had no idea how to do this at all. Yeah, yeah. no, there's a lot of material out there. And I, I think that's a good shout out we should give to just teachers across the world. Uh, mm-hmm. and obviously the teachers I know the best are the gamifiers, but they, they do share, <laughs> they, they do share their work. They share their ideas, whether it's for items or badges or cool little game mechanics that you can add to your game or even full scale, like databases or, you know, but apps, uh, websites, yeah. all sorts of tools. So it's a great community that we, you know, I hope you all sort of plug into for sure. Um, all right. So what what have you done so far in the game to help encourage that sort of team spirit? You were saying like you feel like there's a little more collaboration. So what what specifically do you feel were some of the moves you made that you see that translated in the students? Um, okay, so one, I think an app on a phone slash the chat function is like a really comfortable medium for students. They're very like, that's like a normal way for them to interact with others. But even more so while my school while we are like um 
What's it called? Like I teach self-enclosed classrooms, like like only usually my 30 kids, and then the other teacher has like their 30-ish kids. What we wanted to do is recreate some of that camaraderie, that co-op. Like like I feel like the game provided a good balance of like co-op and versus by implementing guilds. That's what I was trying to lean towards. Uh, so we separated them into three guilds, and we did a lot of great like team, not not even just team building. I want to say like designing the team you know like like if we started a sports team we're like let's pick the mascot now let's pick the name and now let's pick like our motto and in a way that you couldn't i feel like 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 it gave it lended legitimacy to those discussions when we're like oh it's part of this like ongoing role play we're gonna have all year so those guilds and the ways they either cooperate within the guilds or you know compete between the guilds i think has given you know done a lot of work for that yeah, I think that's another one of those examples of authentic collaboration because you, mm-hmm. the team actually means something, and the moment the team means something, that means the activity, like by definition in our heads and in our hearts, has m- more meaning than it did before. Like just just, yeah. just by focusing on the team, uh, let alone competition. So, uh, and we have a lot of we have a good balance. Sometimes we'll do like whole class things too, right? Which is again like really nice. You're like, oh look, all seven of us are like, or you know, like side by side fighting this, you know, imaginary boss or something. Sure, sure. Uh, so speaking of that, you know, a challenge that I think a lot of gamifiers slash educators are having this year is what are what what are an engaging activity that you've done on your virtual platform? Like what? What were you like? This lesson was awesome. I'm trying to think of a, a good one. Okay. Well, we have these like weekly challenges, right? And what we'll do is the, the weekly challenge would be like for the whole class. Mm-hmm. And I kind of I kind of modeled this on do you know World of Warcraft? I don't know, you played World yeah. of Warcraft. Wow. In WoW, there was this one expansion that was like all about opening these gates. And it's like a kind of a boring mechanic where it's like Donate enough wool so the soldiers who, like, are there to protect the gate will have clothing. Or donate enough gunpowder so they'll have enough weapons. And so I, like, borrowed from that. We have these, like, resources in the game that kids can, like, buy. And essentially, there's, like, a bunch of different, like, side quests always available. And kids could, like, earn credits, earn, you know, futuristic money by doing those. And I felt like I had just a burst of uh, participation and, like, excitement as, like, day by day they could see, like their different resources going up, you know, in preparation for this big event. And like, if we got over certain thresholds, good stuff would theoretically happen or like negative consequences if we miss certain things. Sure. So, um, kind of that's it cool. was nice though. Cause like the artists were doing like the art quests, right. And the writers were like doing the writing quests. And then there's like, so, so it allowed every kid to like play their strength and grow and feel like they're part of this team. team. I don't team. know. No, I love that. And that's another thing I suggest in the book is have, a myriad of quests so that everyone can kind of see their talents come out in your classroom. Something that you might not take the actual time to do. Like maybe you wouldn't have had as many artistic quests in your Oh definitely, yeah. In your actual kids have done more art this year than (laughs) Yeah, but that's but that's it's a big deal. Yeah, but that's like that's a big thing, right? Like kids are expressing themselves and we also know like that's that's big in terms of brain development. Like when you are trying to do an artistic task, you're utilizing different parts of your brain. And then when us teachers have them activate the parts that we usually have them activate, we're creating new neural pathways between the sort of creative centers and more like the the literary like writing centers that we use. 
Yeah, and they're solving those problems there. What, what do I want to say? Like succeeding. Like they're getting practice succeeding in an eighth grade environment, which is incredibly useful, especially for the kids that don't necessarily always succeed on like in class stuff. Well, that's the other thing I do like, and I think that's awesome that you highlight that, that in a gamified class, you give space and an opportunity mm -hmm. for kids that might be non-traditional students, you know, that school isn't perfectly built for. Well, when all of a sudden on a quest, you have, we'll take your art example, some artistic students just nailing some of these quests and helping out mm -hmm. for the big boss battle. Not only does that give them a chance to like be seen as like a leader in something, absolutely translates i think to a stronger and more confident student themselves and i think that does bore out in the tests that they end up having to take even though that's not the thing they're really built for they come to it now with a different attitude because they have had success in your class yeah and it builds a stronger relationship with me and the other students which is probably like one of the key yeah. the key indicators on if a kid's going to do the other work <laughs> especially online hard to like browbeat kids into doing work you're like where's your stuff that's true. That, that's so true. That's so true. Uh, so I love it. So you have this like resource sort of collection going on that like maybe there's this big event that they have to prepare for. And so they're trying to collect enough whatever, you know, metal. Well, in our case, it was like an enemy fleet. We're like a mysterious fleet's coming. And then we have like combat strength. And like the three guilds were like, oh, we want a total of like this much combat strength to be like ready so we can like, you know, at least go head to head with the incoming enemy yeah so now i'm curious hearing you speak are they three guilds like i just want to know storyline here i'm curious sure. i don't know if anybody okay. else is curious but i'm the one on the podcast with you so uh are these three guilds that are on a single ship or or is it like each yeah. guild has their own fleet okay so we are roanoke the space station and me and the other co-teacher are the station administration we're like you know Deep Space Nine style, like uh, like a big space station, and the we have like we call it the Expeditionary Fleet, and that's all of you. We're all Expeditionary Fleet, but just within it, there's like the three divisions. Got it. Which again, the the kids built and designed. So we ended up with Hesper, Gold Fleet, and Sentinels, and they all have like kind of their. It's like Harry Potter houses. Like, like they're all sort of feel, but also you know we're all part of Hogwarts. We're all. <laughs> no, that's so. good. That's good. I dig it. I like. Another thing that you're kind of showing and reminding new new gamifiers is take something that in in as a as a kernel of inspiration, right? Like the moment you just dropped like Deep Space Nine, I watched that. I get what you're saying, and boom! Yeah. Now I'm already picturing these ships and these fleets and these kind of races. How they were all working in this delicate balance to to gain financial resources to expand their territory, but like ultimately they were all part of the Federation. Like they all yeah. <laughs> agreed to these rules, right? Like, so it is a crossroads, if you will, of civilization out in space. Yeah. That, it, the kids love it. The, uh, and they represent, sorry, they even have smaller groups, I should say, which represents like a crew of a single ship. And that way they're each like, so like little smaller, like three to five people groups. Ooh. So that's like the further. <laughs> I dig it. So that's an interesting, yeah. it's kind of a unique cut up because a lot of times people do whole class, like what I do. I do, I have five classes and each class is a house. And then in each mm -hmm. house, there's four guilds. But like you, your three guilds span only two different classes, yours and your co-teachers. Mm -hmm. So these are obviously mixes of students in both. Yes. And that was actually another deliberate thing because 
since we're kind of co-teaching this year, we needed to like bridge or you know bring our classes together. Some they were a little bit insular, like they're like, oh, we we know these thirty kids, and then like oh the other group they know those thirty kids. So this by throwing them in like these new groups and then even like pods that are blends of both classes, we've been able to build a lot of like intra-class. So the community. small ships that you're referring to that are three or four students mm-hmm. that are inside the guild, which is one third, you know, that's 20 of the 60 kids you have or whatever. Yeah. Um, do those three kids come from the same guild? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the small ships are, and then we use those, what they are is they're like our small groups, right? Whenever we do like certain small group activities, we're like, boom, that's your permanent group. Some of that, you know, sometimes we use random groups, but a lot of times when we need a consistent group, we use that. Um, I don't know. And that's, that's kind of like the, you write this, you write about this a bit where it's like knowing that you're going to be in this group long term kind of discourages social loafing. Cause you're like, <laughs> you're going to be with these kids for like months. You don't want to be the person who like didn't do it the first time. And then by the second time, everyone's like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, that's and you're actually giving kids a reason to invest in the group, like get to know each other yeah. and like learn each other's strengths so that when you're in that boss battle, when that ship's attacking and there's an artistic quest, you know it's like give it to Charles. Boom, he's got yeah. it. Um so I think that's awesome you do that. Uh I really like this this style and the storyline and I think hearing your story be told, I don't know if the the audience hears this, but I think it shows me what you meant by some of the difficulties of online teaching get smoothed out, right? Because now when they go to this online space, one, they're a bit excited to, to click in with their, their group members, their guild. Uh, now, in, immediately in an activity, you could have them go to their ships, right? Which would be those three to mm-hmm. four person groups. Uh, the flexibility you have to design activities that would be just for your class or for the whole grade or for those ships, it, it, it really like gives you a huge runway for designing activities. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love Thanks. it. Thanks, yeah. Uh, I wanna say, oh, I don't know what <laughs> I was gonna say. Just like, it feels like it's, it works, so it increases the efficiency of like making small groups like that. And then again, builds the engagement. It brings some, I wanna say with the pods, there's a lack of student to student or like it's almost like instant friendships. Like you three are gonna be like like since and that's something that's a big deal that's missing, I think, in online teaching. So Well, I think it's busy in online teaching and I would say on some level Probably in real life. Yeah. In real life, like I don't mean this to be as weighty or as heavy of a term, but kids naturally have clicks, right? And I again mm-hmm. I don't mean it to be like in a bully sort of sense, but you sort of fall into this like these are the people I know. I've known this guy since third grade, and this is who you're hanging out with. And those lines don't really cross much. And I think having long-term groups help, and we've already talked about that. And then all of a sudden, this this affinity group that's been created in your class that all are welcome to be part of, and it's not an affinity group in again the the weighty sense of that term, right? It's not about race or gender or whatever like this you're not trying to fight a social cause but you've made people a part of something right and yeah. that, and that that is a powerful powerful motivator it absolutely is the framework i just i mean it moves us along really well throughout you know otherwise disparate lessons yeah so no i mean that's huge i in my class have really seen 
my kids enjoy the framework year after year. Um, obviously, over the years, I've tweaked, I've added. Uh, you know, I always definitely encourage people to prune their game a little bit so that they can continue to like create space for new innovations. Because some, some things they're not bad. They didn't they didn't not work, but they weren't necessarily worth the weight, right? So mm-hmm. pruning something like that out to maybe find that next great like system or activity in your class uh and it sounds like you guys are off to a great start yeah i've been trying not to sweat it too much because i will say getting thrown into like the explore like a pirate world can be intimidating because you're like oh yeah there's a book okay that's not that bad by itself but then like oh there's other teachers that have their own like updates their own mods for the game right and then there's like a podcast that maybe i could be watching getting more information and it's like I don't know. You need to write a sequel is what I mean. <laughs> what I'm it's like an updated player's handbook. <laughs> Working on it. Uh, so, that, I mean, that's so true. It can be overwhelming. As always, I suggest to everybody, you know, start small. To, you know, take on the challenge that you think you can do. Uh it really seems like you did a great job, you know, working with your co-teacher. I love that you went through sort of the workshop component at the, the back end of every chapter. Uh and you know ultimately you have the right attitude going in like don't sweat it too much like yeah the kids by and large very easy systems that you're used to using as educators right groups you're like you're used to building projects now think about that project you're just applying like a theme to the project right like Mm -hmm. these are things you're almost prepared to do and we're just going to up the intentionality a little bit and just that alone can get you quite a bit of mileage and as you start to see this happen like you said don't sweat it like put that in play you start to get like oh we could have this bot like now boss battles get it. oh now having maybe an item that would like change the rules a little bit like you but to, to sit here now and think about that in this podcast can seem like light years away but really yeah. it's it's not so bad if you go with that right attitude i like your attitude there we just got started, and then there's been, like, you know, we keep pushing updates, like, new items and new stuff, but that's just because we're coming up with it on that that day. We're like, so it's great. We didn't actually plan out the whole game. Just that's the best. Month by month. That's the best. I mean, most of my items were not created in a vacuum, like, in summer. Mm-hmm. Almost all the items I have in the game, almost all the badges I have in the game were created either on the day or, like, the lesson, like, the night before. Like, I'm looking at my lesson plan. I'm thinking, like, ah, we're doing this oh man like we're studying about this particular thing that totally could be like a badge or like ah what would that badge or item do because it you know the story of that badge is this like and it it creates the pathway for me it's like oh it would make sense that they would be able to do xyz because the badge is themed this way so uh you know i really suggest doing what you're saying like just go out do it and then be open to the small amount of work that will come up in the in the moment as opposed to trying to perfectly plan it three months yeah, beforehand predict all your middle schoolers for yeah no way no do you have any while I'm, i have you here what are some uh what are some items or changes you've made for distance learning are you doing this with because i know you're hybrid right we're hybrid so we're yeah i have kids online and in person at the same time so one change i've made is my binder had to change so because mm-hmm. i usually use the baseball card holder 
binders for their items. Uh, so my in-person kids have that, and I built sort of a virtual one for all my online learners. Uh, so that was one change. Uh, another change is how my like website works, like how they interact with some of the things. So I have one that's made on Google Sites that's more my classwork, but there is a like portal for my game. So they can, mm-hmm. there's some easy game things because I, I'm not able to be with them. Sometimes my game was more complicated than, than it is this year and not in a bad way. It was intentionally complicated because I wanted it to feel like a rich, lived-in environment. Yeah, to explore. <laughs> yeah, but that's okay when you're going to be in the room with them. Because what I would do is if no one's finding something, you'd drop a little hint. You know, you'd be yeah, like... you can improv things. You person. can improv things. I could <laughs> yeah, put yeah. something up on the board and be like, they'd be like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, you weren't supposed to see that. But it was like clear they saw how to get there, <laughs> right? Like, you know, but like I can't do that when half my class isn't in the room. So I've, I've had to sort of reduce the game. So one way I've done that was on my Google site, there is a set level of side quests that are super easy to find. I mean, it's just like a big banner says side quests and there's like four of them for this unit. But then right below that is a link to a more video game looking world where I've built a mm-hmm. website called realmanobles.com where they like poke around and try to figure out certain things and there's passwords to certain areas, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's more of an endless rich environment and there's always a link to that where it's like question mark, there's more out there, but I've made sure there's like a base level of stuff that even your like most disconnected student will be able to find. Can we'll do know like how to basic go there. stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was a big one. And then another big change and I'm still wrestling with this one is uh, how to hand in quests. Because for me, it used to be just a back table. Mm. They would fill out on a little sheet of paper, like here's my quest, and then they put that little sheet of paper on their project. And I got all sorts of crazy cool like constructions and maps and well, but everything's virtual now. So I made like a Google form they fill out and I'm training kids because my kids are 10 and 11 to like take photos of those things. And I tell them like, don't just take one like crappy photo. Like <laughs> you guys spent hours Can't building read this. read it thing. or anything. Yeah. yeah, like you built this amazing thing. Take five photographs, put it in a Google slide and turn in that slide with this Google form that I'm doing. Uh, and they're getting there. So, so we're at the end of first quarter and really the side quest submissions starting to really work. And I'm starting to get more of the creative projects that aren't digital. Because at first, mm-hmm. when I first saw the Google form, all they did was like do projects like I wrote this thing on Google Docs and I've turned it in. And I'm and at the beginning they're doing extra work, which is more than they've yeah. ever done in either class. So you're like, that's great. But like I was missing these like truly creative quests. And so I, I that was something I've really tried to get back to. And this sort of side quest submission redux has helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, and once you got a few spotlight projects, it like encourages other. You're like, oh, look, look how me, like, oh, yeah. look at this, and then you're like, okay, God, now other kids are you got following it. it. So you definitely got it. So <laughs> it is reflection time. Okay. So here we here we go. We're gonna do this. Um, you ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is by a man named Vinette Kapoor, and the quote goes. There's no one without purpose in a game. That's what gamification is all about. 
How do you spin that with what we've talked about here today? I mean, I think it speaks to a well-designed game, right? <laughs> any any well-designed game, every player will have a purpose, a role to play. And in the game of, like, school, I feel like this gamification style gives them all, you know, a second purpose or more purpose or provides a purpose for even students that maybe the the original game of school isn't the best game for. No, I agree. So for me, I think what we talked about today perfectly hits today's quote, right? That uh, by putting them on these teams, by having these activities, by knowing something's coming and they have to like work towards it, right? All of it lends itself to a purpose. And when we create multiple uh, areas for people to be successful in from like highly like artistic quests to literary quests, right? Uh, to, you know, whatever, whatever you can think of quests. Uh, it really makes everyone feel like they're part of the game and that there is a purpose and a place for them in the game. And mm -hmm. what I love is I think that that ultimately translates to them having a purpose and a place in your classroom. Wow. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> All right. So, everyone, uh, thank you so much for coming. Charles, thank you for being here on Well Played on your first ever Well Played. I hope you can make it back. I would love to hear kind of an update on your game later in the year. That would be fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. I love it. <laughs> Uh, everyone else, thank you so much for being part of the well-played community. Uh, it is a great community to be a part of. Check out XP Lab. Check out the YouTube channel. All sorts of things out there. As Charles pointed out, it can be overwhelming, but just chip away at the mountain slowly, and, and I guarantee you're going to find some great, great nuggets in there. All right, everybody, have a great week and play on.